This is Restart Hope with Pastor Joel Sicker on FM 94.1 The Voice. Every day I wake up, it's not a matter of should I share the gospel or not, it's to who. And I'm running around like a wild madman. When I'm at the gym, I'm like, who needs the gospel? And you know what the funny thing is? God shows me people who need the gospel. I'm not joking. It's crazy. I hate it when I come across people. I want to see it in myself when shame holds me back from the calling that God has for my life. When shame makes me turn away and walk away from the moment that God's calling me to grasp. And oftentimes, it might not show up as as shame, but it can show up as fear. And the fear is that because of shame. And the fear is that because you haven't taken your shame to Jesus. And so every moment that God gives me, I just walk away from it. That this fear, oh, no, that person is older, or that person worked at a church for so many years, and they're going to think I'm an idiot. In the Treasure Valley, you know, I'm known as a guy that pushes the envelope, that you know, says a few cuss words when I preach. And so when I'm in a Christian setting, I'm like, maybe I should just shut my mouth. And God's like, I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Don't be, don't be frightened. Don't be shameful of who I've called you to be and who you are. Open your mouth and I will fill it and watch the glory of God transform this place. We sang the song this morning. It was very prophetic. Stir a passion in our soul. Let it. But if, he's, if you're not opening your spirit, if you're not opening your heart for God to fill it, there's not going to be any overflowing. Your family will not transform. Your life would not change. Your workplace wouldn't change. The city would not change if he first doesn't take that shame and fill his joy. If, if that joy doesn't turn into courage, Let's bring this to a close. What happens with this joy is beautiful because this joy that turns to courage will give you so much courage that you will be willing to suffer. That you'll be willing to suffer. When I read about the early church, these guys were dipped in tar, in in asphalt, and tied to a post and burned as lamps while the emperor had his dinner. And church history tells us that while they were burning, They were singing songs of praise. And when the ropes burnt enough that their hands could come free, they would clap their hands to let the others know that they are in the presence of Jesus themselves and having such great joy. And God is more than sufficient with them. And there's going to come a time when you and I will suffer persecution for the sake of the gospel. And the joy that God gives you that turns to courage is so powerful that you would even suffer joyfully for the glory of God. It says, verse 29, For it's been granted to you for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Now this can cause you to run in fear if you're an unbeliever over here and you've never given your life to Jesus. Like, I don't want suffering, man. Tell me about that, that, that blessing, that abundant blessing, that double portion. I'll take that. But the suffering bit, I'll let the pastor deal with that. Right? But don't forget what it says before that verse. It says, For it's been granted to you, that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him. So let's not go to the suffering before we talk about the believing in him. Because if, you, if you're looking at the suffering, without first looking at the believing, the suffering looks very scary. But there's something beautiful that happens when you believe. Because when you believe, your shame is gone. When you believe, your shame is transferred. And, and, and it's, it's, it's changed to joy. In that place of, of shame, there's joy. In the place of that joy, that, in the place of the shame, that joy turns to courage. And right now, you're frightened of suffering because you've not experienced the courage that comes from the gospel. And it's been granted to you to believe. The invitation goes to anyone to believe. It's as simple as that, to believe. Jesus is not asking you to get up and to walk on water for him to love you. He just says, will you believe? Will you believe what this guy is preaching from the word? Would you believe that I came into the world to die for you, took your place of sin? Would you believe? The Bible tells us that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. He believed. It doesn't mean that Abraham did not fail, but he believed. Jacob believed, David believed, and all it takes is to believe. 
Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, he, he talks about his own conversion experience when someone spoke to him and says, just look to Jesus and you'll be saved. Just, just look to him and you'll be saved. Like, 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 like the serpent that was raised up, the bronze serpent when they were bit with poison and they just had to look and they were saved. If you not respond to the gospel, I want you to just look to him, believe and trade that shame. Call that shame out and give it to him. Let that shame be changed to joy and let the joy, joy breathe courage in you even in faith as you leave these doors this morning. Walk in courage of knowing that God has a calling on your life and every single day is written in his book and he will never let you down. So you've been you know, chosen not only to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake and verse 30 says, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake. The apostles considered to be blessed to be persecuted, to be beaten for the sake of Jesus. And it says they went and they didn't stop preaching the gospel every single day in Acts chapter 5. And this invitation this morning is going out to everyone, to every single one of you, to trust Jesus, to believe him, to respond to this invitation. And once again, whose report are you going to believe when you leave these doors? Are you going to believe the report of the Lord who has dealt with your shame? Or are you going to still continue to believe the report of those accusing you and the voices in your head or your past or Satan bringing your past before you? Whose report are you going to believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. As for me and my household, we will believe the report of the Lord. As for me and this church and everyone that wants to come along and put their hand on the gospel plow, we will believe the report of the Lord. Someone's got to praise God for that. We will believe the report of the Lord. This is the great expectation that comes from the gospel. Let's bring this to the close. Lastly, and this is a little hard for those of us who are prideful, Essential joy overcomes apathy. It overcomes apathy. You guys doing okay? Yeah. Can we get a little deep before we close? Yeah, yeah a little yeah. deeper. It's okay. Essential joy will overcome apathy. Now, I'm not just saying this because I'm a young guy that's chugging rock star. Younger guy. Sadly, we're living in a world where we want everything fast. We want everything easy. We want everything in an instant. And this attitude seeps into our homes. It seeps into our relationships. It seeps into our churches. Like I said earlier with, with worship, we, we get too, uh, you know, we get too uh, self-oriented. I don't like that style of worship. I don't like that song. I don't like that person. I don't like that instrument. Praise God we're not worshiping you. Others will be sent to hell. But we're worshiping our King Jesus who loves us and who calls us you know, and, and loves us. But, but that is a simple sign of apathy in our Christian walk. My mother confronted me on this this morning. She didn't even realize this because I was having a bad attitude waking up this morning because I was like, oh my gosh, I had such a great time with Jesus. Why do I have to go? I don't want to just unleash all of this that you've been just beautifully encouraging me with. And it was too precious. And my mom said, I set the alarm for 6.30, but man, I was up at 5.30. I was so excited to get everything ready and get ready for church. I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like David, you know? I was glad when they said to me, let's go into the house of the Lord. And here's your pastor who's like, can I sleep for another 30 minutes? You know? And, uh, and then like God having to kick my butt and be like, hey man, come on. Um, apathy. Apathy. Our children know your passion for gossip, but have not once heard your passion for the gospel. Your spouse has never heard you pray. Your, your workplaces don't know that you're a believer. There's no sign of this amazing eternal transformation of the gospel that's evident in your life. That's spiritual apathy. In other words, those of us that claim to have been transformed by Jesus have no sign of Jesus in our life. 
Paul says in verse 22, if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. I asked you earlier, what is your great expectation? When you go about this week, what are you expecting and anticipating and stretching your neck to look forward to? For Paul, it was fruitful labor. <coughs> Excuse me. For Paul, it was people coming to know Jesus. For Paul, it was all the gifts and talents that God's given him. He was eager to see how God was going to use it. He was excited at every opportunity for him to be used by the hands of a Savior. And his great expectation that came from the transformation, transforming power of the gospel was an eager expectation for him, for his life to be fruitful. And he says in verse 23, I'm hard-pressed between the two. That's a very cool picture again. He's chained between two Roman gods, and he says, I'm hard-pressed between these two. My desire, on one hand, is to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Right? Who wants to be in this garbage dump, man? I would rather be with Jesus. But, pause real quick. There are some of us that say, I'm not ready. I'm not ready yet. And it's not just unbelievers. Even some believers say, I'm not ready yet. I want to see my child get married. Or I want to get married first. I want to see my grandkids. I want to see what happens with this election. This is like the best reality TV show, right? I want to see what happens. Like, oh my gosh, the suspense is killing me. Don't come yet, Jesus. <laughs> Jokes aside. Jokes aside. There we go. Jokes aside, jokes aside, before we close, I really want you to ask yourself, are you ready to see Jesus face to face? Are you ready to meet him? And don't answer that out loud. Don't answer that out loud. And what are the hesitations for you? Maybe it's because you've never really given your life to Jesus. Or maybe it is you've given your life to Jesus, but other things are taking preeminence. Other things are taking more importance. As a parent, I can tell you, sometimes I care a lot for my children. I have one daughter of five kids. I've never grown up. I never had sisters. And this is, I was like, God's trust me with a little girl. And I would love, and I, I'm not a dancer. I grew up Baptist, so I don't dance. Every wedding, my wife and I fight, because she's like, dance. I'm like, nope, save my first dance for Jesus, right? But, but at her wedding, I was like, man, I will gladly dance at your wedding, because my daughter. But even if those little earthly things are hindering my joy of seeing Jesus, that's an idol. And the Bible says he's a jealous God, and Oprah Winfrey doesn't understand that. He's jealous not because he's selfish like your ex-boyfriend, He's selfish because that affection rightfully belongs to him, not to anybody else. And Paul says, my eager expectation is my life to be fully spent for Jesus. I want my life to be fruitful for his work, for, his, for anything that he, he, he chooses for me. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. That's far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. I'm glad you said that because I was just going to say every single week I come here, I'm like, Lord, and I say this, I'm like, let this be my last message because I'm super excited to see you, Jesus. And, and, and this verse really spoke to me and it made me love you more. Keep playing, yeah. I don't want you to miss the moment that God's calling you to. There's some things in your past that you put away. You don't even want to think about it because it takes you down this road of depression and anxiety. This is a place where God wants you to confront it. To bring that shame and give it to Him. I say this every week. I want to preach every message like it's my last. And sometimes I fail to understand that for some of you, this might be the last message you ever hear. And I don't want you leaving these doors with regrets. And worst of all, 
with an unrepentant heart that's still living in shame. Jesus did not come into the world to shame you. The Bible instead says that Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising its shame. He's taken your shame. When he hung naked on that cross, he died even for your shame. There's an old song we used to sing, he took all my sin and shame when he died and rose again. I want you to confront that shame this morning. I know this is a very different presentation of the gospel. But the gospel not only promises you eternal life, but also promises to heal you from the sickening cancer of shame here in this life. And I know that this is something that you feel like you dealt with all your life and it's going to take the rest of your life to overcome. It doesn't have to be so. Because Jesus is our perfect savior and he perfectly saves. And in this morning, if someone says, I want to be perfectly saved, respond to that call. Respond to that conviction. I'm not going to make you come up front. I want you instead to make your way to the throne room of grace where Jesus himself is. I want you to make your way to that beautiful cross where Jesus died for you. I want you to make that journey and say, Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I completely surrender. I give my life completely to you. It's no longer mine. It's yours. Use it the way you want to. Stir a passion in my soul that these guys are talking about and let it overflow. Let it overflow into my fears. Let it overflow into my addictions. Let it overflow into my past. Let it overflow into my darkness and bringing, dispelling darkness and bringing light. Let it overflow into every area of my life. I surrender. I give my life to you. And I don't only want to talk to those who've never been to church before. I want to talk to those of you who've been coming to church all your life, but you never really experienced the transformation explosive change of the gospel and I want you to surrender your life to Jesus too and I want him to do a supernatural work in your life this morning as you surrender as you bring to light the darkness that you've been battling and ignoring and kicking under the carpet Jesus did not die for you to have just a good feeling on Sunday but he came to transform your life every single day of your life in fact Satan loves it when you come over here and you have a great time and you go back to your darkness let's confront that this morning Let's bring it to the light. Let's bring it to Jesus. Join us this Sunday at the Living Church Boise. Service and address can be found on our website, www.thelivingchurchboise.com. Visit our website for service times and address.